What's up, everybody? Welcome to your 10-minute checkpoint podcast with me, Sancho West, where we talk about video game, movie news, anything on the top of my head, and boy, do we have a doozy of a show for you today, and this one's talking about WrestleMania. Let's go ahead and put 10 minutes on the clock, and we might go time extended. Let's go. All right. WrestleMania 37 is in the books, and this is being recorded literally after night two. So overall, I thought it was great to have WrestleMania at Reming James Stadium, having them in front of a crowd. I think the WWE universe brought a lot of vibes that wrestling has dearly missed. That's what I felt ever since the beginning of the pandemic, ever since they started doing shows in front of the Thunderdome or whatever they want to call it. I always felt like the wrestling to me wasn't the same without a max capacity crowd, even though it wasn't really max capacity at WrestleMania 37. But at the same time, you need a crowd to tell your stories. You need a crowd to sell your stories and you need a crowd to boost your stories. And I thought that the crowd there at Tampa did a fantastic job at supplementing the stories and giving the wrestlers the needed energy and boy I was dearly missed, and I think that touching moment of having Vince McMahon come on out and saying, welcome to WrestleMania, was definitely a great touching moment to feel. And as well, it's it's definitely a great sign to see things are going back to normal uh, for the pandemic, and things are, we'll soon we'll be able to see people face-to-face. Uh, just recently, I just want to talk a little bit personally, I had my parents over from Texas, and they visit. It was very nice to have them here for about the week uh, while my kid was having spring break. So that was very nice. And uh, considering that they're vaccinated and whatnot, we felt very safe. And so that's really cool. It's a sign of good things to come. And especially that it's going to make it a little bit easier for me as a wrestling fan to get into the products. But let's go ahead and get into night one, which I would have to say by far was the best night in WrestleMania. Night one was just overall top to bottom fantastic. I thought the pacing of the show was great. I thought the main event of Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair was fantastic. What a great moment in wrestling history. And so let's just go that throughout the entire card. We'll do top to bottom. Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship was a really good solid match. Bobby Lashley had a fantastic entrance. And I would have to say an overall note throughout the entire WrestleMania 37 is there was not enough of WrestleMania type moments or entrances. I Granted, I know most likely the pandemic, but you got to go a little bit more beyond just pyro. I love the props that Bad Bunny had bringing literally a semi-truck, but I just felt like this kind of WrestleMania lacked the WrestleMania entrances that makes WrestleMania the biggest stage in sports entertainment. But back to the match between Bobby and Drew, I think they did really great. I think Bobby Lashley is on a great run. And uh, a lot of people thought that Drew would kind of take over the belt, but I like the match overall. They have a really great chemistry. I think Bobby Lashley looks great in a suit and everything. So I didn't have any problems with Bobby Lashley winning it. Uh, there was a little bit of that thing with that MVP distraction, a little bit of sloppy, but uh, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. The women's tag team championship room one contenders match was, was a kind of a strange place for WrestleMania. Uh, and they kind of had like a, a tornado type or a gauntlet type of thing. I don't know what the special word that they had it, but you had multiple women wrestling here and multiple tags. I, overall, I thought it was okay. I mean, uh, it, essentially the Tamina and Natalie went on to go face Baszler and Nia Jax. So 
that was okay. I thought that the match was okay. I mean, poor Mandy Rose slipping on that ramp. Of course, if you don't know, out in Tampa Bay, it rained, and the whole entire WrestleMania had a rain delay for for thunderstorms. So it was quite interesting to see how that happened, and it, it had to be well, someone was going to slip. And this is unfortunate. It was Mandy Rose, but essentially on that one, what ended up happening was you saw yeah Nat and Tamina going ahead and advancing. Next, we had Cesaro and Seth Rollins. I really wish this match had a little bit more stakes to it. Cesaro and Seth Rollins, uh, you know, they're, they're a great match. The buildup was great for it. But at the same time, you know, w without the stakes on it, it couldn't really add to that emotional oomph that they were looking for to give Cesaro one of his biggest, well, his only singles win in WrestleMania in his, his history with WrestleMania. I mean, Cesaro has always been the Swiss Superman, has always had some great show out standout moments could oftentimes be a pay-per-view scene stealer, so to speak. At the same time, he had some great moves, the UFO and, of course, the swing, but I wasn't really invested in this match as much as I wanted to because Cesaro and Seth Rollins, there wasn't a belt on the line. I think if they had a belt on the line or some kind of a number one contender's championship uh, stipulation, that I think that would have really put that match over the edge. We'll get to more edge later. Now, for me, one of my first pop of the night was the New Day of Kofi and Xavier Woods versus AJ Styles and Omos. Oh my goodness. What a great debut for Omos. Probably one of the most memorable debuts I can think of. This man is seven foot three plus, 400 pounds. It's insane. And for those of you that have rarely watched wrestling, usually debuts of a big man don't go that well. I mean, when I think about it, it was the great Kali. Uh, debuting against The Undertaker. Undertaker did a lot to put the great Kali over and didn't really work out. Also think about the giant Gonzalez as well against The Undertaker, oddly enough. The same kind of vibe. And, you know, even going to Shaq. It's, there's not a lot of great movesets for a big man. And almost, oh my goodness, had a fantastic showing. What a great buildup in this tag team match. Essentially, it had AJ... It was kind of reversal. The good guys were doing heel tactics to make AJ kind of beating them up the entire time. And then they had the, the great hot tag over the almost. But man, it was so cool. He felt like a Goro type villain. He was laughing the whole time, causing some great bumps, using his great just presence. And of course, Xavier and Kofi did some fantastic selling to make him feel like a threat. And that cool spot of... Literally having AJ jump off the shoulders to do the phenomenal forearm was forearm was quite amazing and quite fun. And that's to me what a big man should be. I tweeted out that that's what Vince McMahon wanted the great Kali. And that's what Shaq was kind of supposed to be in the ring. So it's a very exciting to see someone who, who could, you know, because it's not easy wrestling as a big man in the WWE. So that's great match right then and there. Probably one of my uh, favorites. Of night one. And then you had Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman. I get it. Now I'm a I, I'm a cage match purist. Okay. I'm a very cage match purist. And I don't know when they added the stipulations that pinfalls and submissions count inside of a cage. I, I guess. But for me it was always been getting out of the cage through up and over or through the door. is the only way you went through a cage match. So it was very weird to see Braun Strowman kind of get pinned. Like pinned Shane. One of these matches that I feel like the buildup wasn't really earned. I mean, the whole thing that Braun was essentially fighting for people who were called stupid or dumb. 
It's kind of like out of left field. And I always thought that if Shane was going to hire goons as well, he would hire someone better than the people that he had. I mean, Elias is okay. And forgive me, I don't know the other wrestler's name, but those are not like like NWO or DX or authority or corporate or the ministry like type goons. You got to have someone that could be a very physical presence that looked like they could destroy Braun themselves if they gang up on him. Of course, the match started off with Braun getting a hit with a knee and he was kind of being, um, you know, selling it that whole way really well. Of course, the highlight spot was Braun ripping open the cage. It was kind of cool. I mean, what else are you going to do in a cage, right? It's unbelievable to see how many things can Shane jump off of. And Shane just jumping off of the full back bump on that bad boy, that somersault back bump. It was kind of yikes. It was kind of, I'm kind of nervous for Shane. <laughs> I mean, Shane he could take some pretty nasty bumps here and there. We've seen him. Recently taking some crazy high falls, but that one was pretty brutal. I mean, he was not jumping onto like some kind of a foam pad or, or tables like a, like a out of the ring type situation where they could kind of put some padding underneath or some a breakable box. Or I, I used to do stunts. I, I used to be trained for a stuntman back in my acting day. And those cardboard boxes that they put down, you think uh, eh, it still hurts. It still hurts. As I mentioned, we will definitely be going to time extended. Normally, this is a 10-minute podcast, but go ahead and hit me with that time extended. Next match, we had The Miz and John Morrison versus Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. And finally, we get a WrestleMania-type entrance for Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny finally comes through, comes on out with a pre-recorded thing. Of course, him on the outside in the diesel truck. I love this notion that Bad Bunny is just traveling everywhere on a diesel truck, on a semi. I know he did a concert traveling around New York. Uh, which is, I think that's where definitely where it comes from, but I just love that WWE ran with it. And this by far was the biggest surprise that I, I think everybody had even on the social media was bad bunny from what I was told as well. He's trained all the way since January for this match and hats off to the Miz and John Morrison who did really well at putting bad bunny and protecting him and making sure that he got his, his work in. There was a couple of scary moments for bad bunny and, I just feel like anytime someone has limited experience in the ring and, you know, their knees and ankles and all that kind of stuff, uh, even getting whiplash. I mean, there was a moment where Bad Bunny got thrown into that second rope and kind of getting shades of Enzo Amore going into that. And I thought that that's what was going to be that case. But it looks like Bad Bunny, phenomenal, phenomenal debut. Steve Armel type levels of, of greatness, I would say, from a celebrity wrestler and just someone who was able to put respect on wrestling and the art of wrestling at the same time put a phenomenal performance all together. The Bunny Destroyer or the Canadian Destroyer was great on the outside and getting credit to John Morrison, but overall a fantastic showing and a great WrestleMania type match. You need to have celebrity involvement. I mean, you, you got to think about previous WrestleManias or Royal Rumbles. We had Drew Carey just literally jumping out of the ring. So like the bar was definitely set with Steve Armell aka the Green Arrow, definitely set the stage for the bar for that. And I think Bad Bunny exceeded that. A lot of people will talk about Pat McFree, uh, McAffery, the punter, the former punter, now podcaster, very great sports podcaster. And his NXT run against, uh, you know, Adam Cole. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he did phenomenal work as well. He himself put a lot of work and respect the business, but he's an athlete, so that's why I put Bat Bunny a little bit above that because it's very, very unexpected. I mean, Kanye West ain't going to be doing that. You know what I mean? Puff Daddy at the time, or P. Diddy Combs, P. 
Diddy ain't going to do that kind of stuff. And Bad Bunny did that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And of course, that night one wraps up with Shasha Banks and Bianca Belair with a very great, very great wrestling match. Just phenomenal storytelling. And Bianca Belair with the Gorilla Press going up and over from the outs. Like, I was just floored. I've never seen a sign of strength from any wrestler in WrestleMania history or in the business and professional wrestling history who's able to press somebody above their head, walk up the stairs, the metal stairs on the turnbuckle, and throw them over their turnbuckle into the ring. What an amazing thing. And Bianca Belair has definitely a bright future. I thought Sasha Banks was a fantastic heel in the match. There were some great moments of, of Sasha Banks. I love that they referenced a lot of what Sasha Banks likes to do. There were some flare-ups of the aggressive Sasha Banks that we saw in NXT. And uh, I just I just loved it. I mean, ever since Bianca Belair, the EST, showed up, got called up from e, uh, from NXT, she's been phenomenal. Her Royal Rumble work was phenomenal. And now we see that she could definitely debut, or not debut, but her first WrestleMania, basically, main card event, she held it down. And uh, I think the best moment was definitely was that emotional moment that the two shared. It, it felt... You could feel the electricity between it and the atmosphere. And it's just sometimes I wish this was like a max capacity crowd. You want to feel that electricity. But like I said before in the very beginning, they definitely, the crowd, held their own. Ah, right. Night two. Again, we're in time extended. So night two in itself, which we just finished, we just wrapped up. I, I, I just think it was more traditional WWE type stuff. I don't think it's a big problem. I, I just think it's a little safe in what they do. I thought night one was a little bit more daring in what they did. I thought night two was more of the same. And that could be either seen as a good or bad thing. And that is definitely personified in The Fiend versus Randy Orton. You know, one, Randy Orton took forever to get in the ring. I was like, wait, is that Randy Orton or is that The Undertaker? And two, I, I mean, The Fiend is scary. And I know that the WWE needs... A supernatural type thing. I just think wrestling does better with a supernatural type presence. And that's why they're just trying to fill the void with The Undertaker. When they brought in Sting, we all thought that Sting would be that void filler. But then, of course, Sting got injured and retired and then later came back to AEW. But the point I wanted to make is The Fiend is that role filler. And they just haven't found the perfect proper way for The Fiend. And they had a remake, and the dead fiend or the burnt fiend was crazy looking. And then he went back to the new old fiend in this iteration. And Alexa, Alexa Bliss is a phenomenal talent. And I love her heel work. She's one of my favorite wrestlers in terms of her heel. I just love how she's able to kind of do anything at, at this point. And anything they throw at her, she knocks out of the park. She definitely knocked her sister Abigail Notion out of the park. But what a bizarre match in general. It was spooky. When Alexa Bliss came out of the thing with the thorn on her crown of thorns on her head, and she was, uh, I guess, bleeding black blood. Of course, she can't really show blood. If it was the old WWE Attitude Era, it would have been blood, blood. And I don't know if it would have been as impactful as the black blood. But she looked great, and I was just—it was just weird, man. It was a weird match. I just hope they figure out what to do with the Fiend, and I hope they don't do Randy Orton and the Fiend again. But. It was a weird way to start off WrestleMania night two. After that, they had the women's tag team championship to pay off from night one. You had Natalia and Tamina going against Nia Jackson, Shana Blazer. 
And, you know, I thought that was good. I wanted a little bit more back and forth between the ladies. I felt like there was some great moments, some, some great holds in the sharpshooter from Natalia. I just think it needed to be a little bit more, a little bit more back and forth. And the ladies did really well. Uh, this is one of those matches that were, there was a lot of matches in this night that were a little, a little sloppy Joe-ish. They were good. They were a little sloppy, but at the same time, they did really well. So the ladies did really well there. Now, I really liked the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn fight. I thought that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn really brought it. I tweeted this out that they could literally wrestle anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter. Bingo Hall, WrestleMania main event. They could knock it out of the park whenever they do it. And their wrestling is just world class. It's just a master class. And I think a lot of people are going to look back at these kind of bouts that they had as soon as they came into NXT. And, of course, their work in the main roster as world class. It just truly is. And... They really brought the crowd back into the WrestleMania. They brought the audience back at home, who were wherever they're watching, into WrestleMania. And of course, Logan Paul was there. Logan Paul didn't really do much during the match. And then, of course, at the very end, does get stunned by KO. My only critique about this whole thing is, I, you know, I, I, I'm on the fence when it comes to wrestlers talking. Sometimes when wrestlers talk, it kind of puts the emotion of the match for us, the audience. Sometimes. I, my favorite matches was when wrestlers don't talk at all and we put the emotion that we kind of lay what's going on in their mind. And when they kind of say out loud, this is what you did or come on, bring, you know, that kind of stuff, it kind of deflates it just a little bit for me. But maybe I'm just a wrestling purist, but phenomenal work. Like KO and Sami Zayn. And then we have the United States Championship between Matt Riddle and Sheamus. This one was just, man, very physical match. I, I definitely would like to see these two go at it back and forth. It was very physical. It was very blunt force. And you kind of expect that with Sheamus and Matt Riddle, who, you know, is a former MMA type fighter, is used to this kind of craziness. And Sheamus, and then they put it on a great show for WrestleMania, another one of these sloppy Joes. But I think the physicality of it kind of brought it into that WrestleMania type level. And of course, Riddle taking a brutal bro kick. That timing must be really tough. I mean, essentially, Matt Riddle was going for a lion's salt. And like Sheamus just popped him literally right on the lip. And yeah, I mean, again, like I mentioned, as a stuntman or, or or someone who does fight choreography on a stage combat type of thing, you want to hit them with that flat foot. You want to hit them with a the flat foot if you're going to hit them anywhere in the body. And I think the timing was a little bit weird, but Matt Riddle just got decked right in the lip like a toe hit by Sheamus. But again, Sheamus has to get it in there, right? I mean, he has to get his he has to do the bicycle kick type motion. And get that foot in there. And he decked him square in the lip. And caused a lot of blood. It was kind of crazy. That the, that was a good match. Like I said, it was a really good match. Quite surprised they put it on Sheamus. But you got to give Riddle some opportunities to work for. And I think if Sheamus is a fighting United States champion, I think that's going to be pretty good. Next match you have is the Intercontinental Championship. Or the, let me correct myself. The Nigerian drum fight between Big E and Apollo Crews. And I, you know... I know we could get into a lot of the specifics of the match, but I think if you're going to have a prop match like the Nigerian uh, drum fight or the contract on a pole or flag on a pole, whatever you want to have matches, and we all had throughout wrestling history different variety ones. I just named a few. You got to use the props, and you needed a drum. And I know it's kind of hard to kind of gimmick a drum to, to where it breaks or it doesn't hurt, but you had so much drum symbols, some crazy out things out there, and... All the guys uses with kindos, sticks, and tables. I would have liked to see a drum spot. You got to throw in a drum spot in there. Get something in there. But uh, regardless, they, they look great. I think Biggie and Paula Cruz, if they want a rivalry, they could definitely get one. And of course, 
this match was interfered um, by a mystery man that no one knew that who they were. But of course, it is. Um, I got to I got uh, to look this up here. I had it right in front of me. It was quite interesting. Let me see uh, where it is. Ah, Dabakato from Raw Underground. If you don't remember at the beginning of the pandemic, they explored a underground scene where there was no rules and Shane McMahon was the leader of it. But uh, of course, I think that they didn't kind of say his name because they were trying to essentially kind of uh, set up a new character with him. So, but yeah, you know, I was finally, we get that WrestleMania run in and we get a debut. Not a lot of surprises and I wish we saw some more legends, but I think it's a credit to the, uh, that's a, an issue or a attribute of the pandemic. You got to keep the against the against the players or the wrestlers safe by having a bubble type situation. I know some of the most, I think from what I heard, there was reports that the talent did quarantine themselves like a couple of days before WrestleMania to make sure everything was a okay. Next match, we had the Raw Women's Championship for Raya Ripley going against Asuka. I thought that was a good match. I'm surprised uh, Ripley was able to beat Asuka clean. That sets her up very nicely, and it's the future of the women's division. I thought Asuka is a great, fantastic worker. Put her uh, her own in, and this is the kind of matches, lost strong style type matches, and Ripley definitely delivered. There was that crazy DDT to the outside of the ring that I thought that was kind of nasty, and then Ripley literally landed on top of her head, but it's great work. I always liked Ripley. I think Ripley's just overall presence is great. I love the look. I love the vibe about her. And, and she kind of reminds me of this cross between Diesel and HBK. Just just looks really good. And whenever uh, Charlotte Flair comes back, of course, they, they had some uh, Charlotte Flair had some COVID-19 uh, situation there. I thought if Ripley and, and Charlotte Flair, which I've seen Russell before, put on a very good match. And I think no doubt that that will happen in the future. But Asuka is always one of those wrestlers that you could definitely put the belt on her and she could definitely hold her own. And uh, I thought it was really good, C considering that this was like last minute. It wasn't really put to, you know, there wasn't really that strong of a buildup. I thought the women did really well. And congratulations to Ripley winning that Raw Women's Championship. And uh, we'll see. I mean, the, the Raw after Mania, sometimes belts go back or belts go on somebody else. So if Ripley does lose the belt tomorrow, I wouldn't be too bad. I mean, she got her WrestleMania moments. And like I said, a lot of people who don't watch NXT, who just come around, who I guess who watch the WrestleManias or the the Big Four will definitely in, enjoy Ripley. And uh, now that she's on their radar, no doubt it's going to make some noise. And finally, we had the triple threat match of universe for the Universal Championship of Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Edge. Now, this by far was a, the best match of the night. I would say you had some phenomenal work between the three. I thought the pacing of the triple threat was really good. Very creative spots as well or moments between the three. Some of the big takeaways is that Edge still got it. Edge has a very great look about him. And at the same time, there's something about a wrestler in, in white gear. Like it looks really clean. Seth Rollins showing up in the San Francisco WrestleMania with wearing the white gear. Randy Orton today had some great white gear as well. Of course, Shawn Michaels repping that white gear when he was facing The Undertaker. It's just something about it. It just makes it feel clean and pristine. So Edge looked great. I thought he looked good in the ring. I thought this was a great showing for him considering he had the world's greatest match against Randy Orton, which I didn't really feel was a great showcase for his work, hard work for getting back into the ring. So this one definitely was that great showcase. Put a lot of beating on his body. 
Uh, Daniel Bryan also showed that he's still really over. The crowd really loves him, and he has a great command in the ring, and he's still one of the best in the business today. And, of course, Roman Reigns did a fantastic job as the heel. I think his heel work is great. And ever since Roman Reigns came back with the fancy new teeth, he's been doing a fantastic job. And, I, you know, granted, I don't think he really needs Paul Heyman. I feel like Paul Heyman doesn't really do much as, you know, Paul Heyman, when he was with Brock Lesnar, did a lot more. So I'm, I'm hoping... Roman Reigns sheds Paul Heyman a little bit. I think him relying on his cousins of the Usos is a lot better. And of course, the, the match in itself was really nice. I thought the work was, the pacing was great. That edge moment where he was throwing Roman Reigns all over the, the place was fantastic. And the double spear moment was, oh my God, I've always wanted to see that. And for them to pull that off safely at a very, very fast, like, moment, like spear speed, I guess, was really, really phenomenal. And really fantastic to watch. And it was really cool. The the double, I guess, crossface and the yes lock against Roman Reigns was really cool. And I think there was just some really great moments throughout the entire match. And I, I thought it, the ending was fine. I thought it was great. I thought you sent up a very awesome ending or rivalry between Edge and Daniel Bryan. Of course, Daniel Bryan pulling out the referee while Edge was one count away from winning it all. Really great. Fantastic. And I'm guessing that's why they made it a triple threat. Just to give... Edge and Daniel Bryan something to do and Roman Reigns or Roman Reigns. I always feel like I'm saying Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has something to do later on. Maybe faces Brock. Who knows where Roman will go? But at least at Backlash we'll have maybe a great rivalry between Daniel Bryan and Edge. And Edge, his crazy look when he was doing the uh, solo concertos was great, fantastic. And it just shows that Edge still has it in there was just, like I said, some of those those bumps on the outside of the ring on those steel stairs was quite nasty. And at the end of the day, they put in a nice bow. I always say, you know, your wrestling event should be like a burger, you know. It, it, could, it could be the first bite needs to be delicious, and the rest of it should just be okay. But that last bite needs to be memorable. And at least we got a memorable last fight bite feeling with the triple threat match between Daniel Bryan, Edge, and Roman Reigns. It was really, really solid. Overall, I wish WrestleMania had more better, I guess, not more better, had better WrestleMania entrances type. Bad Bunny was by far the best out there. Edge was kind of cool, too. I just love that steam fog look. Also, uh, you know, the those kind of interview segments that they do, they're, they're kind of hit or miss. I thought Bailey at least they kept her around to keep her memorable, but I guess they were setting up a Bella Twins type uh, rivalry in the future. Overall, I feel like there was not that many rivalries set up that I would like to see in WrestleMania. It's either stories closing and new ones beginning, and I, I I didn't get a sense of a lot of that. And there was not a lot of surprise moments like this person's coming up and this wrestler's here, or or like how did this person turn? Like there was not a lot of those kind of surprises. Some really nice belt changes and some nice retain. Overall, I'll give it a great, great, great vibe considering we're getting back into live crowds. But that is it for your 10-minute Checkpoint Podcast. I know we went time extended, but yo, WrestleMania is only once uh, once a year. It's the greatest event in sports in sports entertainment. So thank you so much for tuning in to this 10-minute Checkpoint Podcast. My name is Sancho West. Please rate it highly. Leave a like. Whatever you hear this podcast Give it the five stars and reach out to me 
on the social medias at Sancho West on Twitter or on Instagram. If you have any comments about the show, I'll see you guys around next time. And next time we'll be talking about some movie news and movie action because we're getting so close to that Mortal Kombat. I'll see you guys around. Peace.